My name is Amy. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from anxiety, despairing thoughts, anger, um, all rooted in fear of man and lack of trust in God. Will you pray with me? Oh, hi. <laughs> Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and dying on the cross that we might have abundant life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. I confess that apart from you, I can do nothing. Will you let your words be spoken through me tonight as I share your story of redemption in my life? In Jesus' name, amen. I grew up in a Christian home where my mom taught me about Jesus. I recognized at a young age that I had sinned and needed a Savior. Uh, my mom told me uh, that Jesus, that God sent his son on the cross to die for my sins and to be my best friend. I said yes to Jesus at such an early age that I just always remember believing. My parents divorced when I was three and my brother was two. We lived with my mom, but we had regular visitation with my dad. I was a typical firstborn girl, rule follower, overachiever, approval seeker, and peacekeeper. I did well in school, made friends easily, um, but there were certain fears and insecurities under the surface. I was loved by my parents, who told me often how proud they were of me. I was fueled by their praise and the praise of teachers. I continued to be the good girl in high school, but it became exhausting at times, reaching for achievements and approval. In college, I began to question if Christianity was even true. After some investigation, I was convinced it is the truth based on overwhelming historical evidence. I reasserted my belief that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through Christ, as it says in John 14:6. My question then became, how could I know that I was saved? At this point, Satan was doing a number on my soul. He had me in his grip as I coped with anxiety and fleshly passions through masturbation. I wasn't sleeping with anyone outside of marriage, so I justified that it was okay. A wise friend later told me that doubt and hidden sin struggles often go hand in hand. This was certainly true for me. Nevertheless, I was determined to seek out God in his word to find answers to my questions. He answered so sweetly with John 10, 27 through 28. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. If I was truly God's girl, I was secure in his hands. I could not lose my salvation. But how could I know that I was his to begin with? Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I had confessed with my mouth multiple times growing up, and I did believe in my heart. It was that simple. In the midst of my struggle with masturbation, God showed me that my sin was no different than the sins of others. I was in desperate need of grace. I ran back to my father's arms and thanked him for his gift of grace to me, a sinner. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. With my faith renewed, I began to walk with the Lord daily, continued to study his word, went on mission trips, and got involved with a campus ministry where I was discipled one-on-one. -on -one. I truly fell in love with Jesus. I went on to work for that college ministry, which is where I met my husband. Shortly into marriage, I started teaching school, and my anxiety came back in full force. I had struggled with it in high school, college, and even in full-time ministry. Sometimes I broke out in hives and had panic attacks. And after two years teaching school, oh, so after two years teaching school, I had the privilege of getting to stay home with my daughter. 
motherhood had been had been my dream. And yet, when it became my reality, I was full of fear and quickly turned towards anxious and controlling behaviors. Fast forward a few years and a few more kids. On the surface, I had everything I ever wanted. A godly husband whom I adored, three beautiful kids with a fourth on the way, the financial freedom to be a stay-at-home mom, and areas of service within our church. Yet underneath, I was racked with feelings of failure because I knew I wasn't managing life well. Anxiety, control, and anger were popping up in ways I had never seen before in myself. Jesus says in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have, have life and have it to the full. I wondered where this abundant life was that I knew Christ wanted to give me. What was I missing? At times, I felt like God was ripping me off. I trusted him for salvation, but I wasn't always sure where he was in my day-to-day. I hated the anger that was coming out of me towards my kids and towards my husband. While overall, I thought I extended the patience of Job to my kids, I lacked consistency in my parenting. Tired, pregnant, and not prioritizing time with God, my anger seemed to be on a low boil inside my heart. When there was too much chaos around me, I was bound to blow up. Unfortunately, it most often got directed back at my husband in the form of blaming him. If you weren't late coming home, or if you had done this or that, then I wouldn't be in this position with the kids right now. I had a problem taking responsibility for my own actions because deep down, I hated what my actions were saying about the condition of my heart. In the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5, Jesus put murder and anger on the same level. I had never had an anger problem before kids, or so I thought. But here I was in the pressure cooker of life, and when I got squeezed, it wasn't Jesus spilling out of me. It was raw, mean, selfish flesh. I was finally ready to admit that I needed help. My first night at Regent, I remember thinking how much I hate brokenness. I hated the pain that I saw others carrying, and I hated the pain in my own heart from my parents' divorce and wounds from childhood. Yet in groundwork, I began to see the truth of Psalm 34, 18, which says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed crushed in spirit. In the midst of the pain, the Lord's presence was so near. In closed group, I found fellowship in the me too of the common struggles we all faced. What a gift those women were to me. In steps one through three, I admitted to the Lord how alone I felt at times, how I believed the lie that it was all up to me that I didn't know how to depend on him for daily grace. I admitted how trying to manage the chaos brought by my sin had led me into more sin. When entitlement, comparison, or discontentment were allowed to grow in my heart, anger or despairing thoughts soon followed. But God's word was there to meet me with truth each day. I came to believe on a deeper level that God truly, truly loved me. I began to trust that God really is good, that he is trustworthy, and that he wastes no hurts, but promises to only use them for our good and his glory. During inventory, the Lord revealed the roots of my struggles with anxiety, despairing thoughts, and anger that they trace back to fear of man and a lack of trust in God. I cared far too much what others thought of me. In my quest to be the perfect mom, I easily got stuck into comparison traps, which gave me either things to worry about or to be mad at myself and my kids about. At times, I had a higher view of people than I had of the Lord, and I had a larger focus on myself than on Him, which was all leading to deep insecurity. 
Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. In step six, we were asked to make repentance plans to turn away from the well-worn ruts we kept falling into. I wondered, would true healing mean the absence of anxiety? I hoped so, but God soon began to show me that faith over fear would mean trusting God through my fears, not avoiding them. There is a battle for our souls, and we have a very real enemy. Victory would not mean the absence of struggle, but the faith to fight sin and the strength to turn away from it. 1 Peter 5, 6-9 through 9 was a key passage for conquering my anxiety. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Repenting involved identifying my triggers to sin so that when temptation came, I could recognize it for what it was, and now, unlike before, I had a battle plan to fight. For anger, it meant more, um, having more of a preemptive plan to avoid triggers in the first place. For my anxiety and spiraling thoughts, it looked as simple as telling myself to stop turning a thought over and over again in my head to turn on worship music instead, or read some go-to passages of scripture until my mind was turned towards God's thoughts instead of my own anxiety and despair. After repentance, the next step was to follow Christ in daily dependence. My mentor described the power of the Holy Spirit like electricity flowing through a light bulb. She said that surrender is like the on switch for the Holy Spirit to work. I can pray to the Lord all day long, but if my heart is not surrendered to him, he can't go to work. I began to understand more and more that daily dependence didn't look like asking God to change my circumstances, which I had been doing regularly before recovery, and thus why I frequently felt frustrated. Instead, dependence meant surrendering to his spirit so that I could be what changed. I couldn't control whether or not my kids were going to complain or fight, whether or not the baby would take that nap that I desperately needed him to take, or whether or not we would get sick, but I could choose how I would respond in all those situations. I finally started seeing the Holy Spirit as the best friend my mom had always told me about all those years ago. He hadn't left me alone. I now find him ever near when I humble myself and ask for his will to be done. He's my helper and my counselor. Forgiveness and amends were pivotal in my recovery from anger. My mentor shared that holding on to anger and bitterness was like holding on to a hot potato. As long as I kept holding on to it, it would keep hurting me. Learning to forgive as Christ forgave me meant releasing my hurts and disappointments to Christ. It also meant that I needed to stop beating myself up for what Christ had already paid for. Romans 8.1 says, There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Through amends, I grew in learning how to fully own my part. Blaming others is easy, but maturity came in learning how to stay in my own circle. Um, taking ownership of my sin was incredibly humbling, and is, but peace in my own heart came from it. This might be the biggest shift in my head and heart that came from Regen, learning what true humility looks like, but I certainly have far to go in that area. After finishing Regen, God revealed more and more how much hope I had put in relationships with people versus my relationship with him. He began to reveal my lack of trust in him on a whole new level. While on vacation, I 
I sunk into a depression as I allowed myself to wonder what I added to my family. I saw my husband doing a better job parenting than me and began to question what else I added to our family as I allowed despairing thoughts to take over. Because of recovery, I knew not to stay in that place alone. I shared with godly family members and my mentor and kept an open dialogue of the thoughts I was battling. My husband reminded me that Romans 8, 6 says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. I knew I was not experiencing life and peace, so I asked the Lord to show me where I was not allowing the spirit to control my mind. I believed there were some hormonal issues that needed to be addressing, but while I waited on some answers from my doctor, God showed me I cannot always trust the thoughts in my own head. A mind controlled by the spirit didn't mean those thoughts wouldn't come sometimes. It meant I had a choice what to do with them. At times, I had to ignore my intense feelings and cling to God's word as my only strength of hope and strength. The more I kept turning my thoughts towards the Lord, the bigger he became. Psalm 18 was a key passage for my anxiety repentance plan that I had now to go back to over and over. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer, and my God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry came before him. He reached down from on high and took my hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. If you are experiencing despairing thoughts, please reach out to someone. You are of great worth to your heavenly Father who knows the number of hairs on your head. You're precious and honored in his sight. We're here to help you and to walk alongside you. So don't, don't keep those thoughts alone in your own head. Share them with someone tonight. That same summer, God gave me a picture of faith. Over the years, I had developed a fear of overpasses and tried to avoid them at all costs, but I knew that I was personally going to have to drive over several while on vacation, and I was terrified. I prayed that God would give me faith to go if that's where he was leading, and he did. I claimed 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I set off with my two older children in tow and prayed faith-filled fa prayers that I knew God had gone before us. He got us over several overpasses as we prayed scriptures out loud. My kids probably thought I was a little crazy, um, but the highest one was still ahead. I took a deep breath and I told the kids, maybe it'd be like a roller coaster. I was literally trembling in fear as I put my foot on the gas, telling God I was putting no confidence in my flesh but in his ability to get us over. And if anyone has an overpass thing, like literal panic attacks were part of my past. And so just driving and forward motion was, was progress. So um, he reminded me that he had told us that he would never leave us or forsake us. And I felt, I really felt like I might die as I stared at this bridge that looked like it led straight up. And just when it seemed like we might touch the sky, we made it over the hump. Before our eyes, the most beautiful expanse of ocean waves rolling upon the sandy seashore was right before our eyes, and it was sprinkled with colorful beach houses. It was breathtaking. It was totally worth it. And in that moment, I felt God telling me that this is what trusting him is like. 
it's scary at times. We can't always see what's ahead, just like when I was on the other side of that overpass. All our senses are telling us to run the opposite direction. But if we trust, if we just take steps of faith, what's waiting on the other side really is thrilling. Today, I found such a joy in serving the Lord at Regen, first as a closed group co-leader and now as a coach. Getting a front row seat to see the ways that God is at work in these women's lives has increased my faith so much. There've still been times that I feel anxiety start to set in if I try to take on the burdens of others myself, but Jesus has lovingly reminded me that his shoulders are the ones able to bear the burdens and his spirit alone is who brings hope and healing. Meanwhile, I have seen victory in the angry mom department. I definitely still get angry, but it doesn't consume me in the same ways as before. Instead of dwelling on my mistakes, now I thank God for his forgiveness. I own my part and I move towards my kids while keeping firmness and expectations. I'm also trying to remember to just laugh and have fun with these treasures. They and my husband are precious gifts that I never want to stop giving thanks for. As 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 17 reminds us, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. My name is Amy and I have a new life in Christ. Anxiety, depression, and anger are, are, are all feelings I still struggle with at times. But because of recovery in Christ, God has given me victory not to let my feelings dictate what I believe or how I respond. He has shown me that he th thinks of me, what he thinks of me is far more important than what others think of me. And he is replacing my fear of man with a deeper, more abiding trust in Christ. And he's proving faith, he, and he is providing faith to enjoy this ride called life.